according to his promise. We are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Today we get our first look at Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 this morning. We won't get past verse 1. It's got a great word in there, the word stupid. And uh, we will be stuck on stupid, if you know where that quote comes from. Um, You know, it's interesting what the Bible calls stupid and uh, wise and uh, knowledge. It comes about through discipline and reproof. And if you accept the discipline and the reproof, if you actually come to love the discipline and the reproof, then you're not stupid. (laughs) Okay? Um, It's those who hate the discipline and the reproof. They're the stupid ones. And this is what's spoken of here. So uh, there's a lot to unwrap. There's a lot to, uh, to deal with here in these in these aspects, and really it's nothing new. Every single thing we're going to see, except for possibly the, the stupid term, um, but dis- discipline we've seen before, knowledge we've seen before, reproof we've seen before, these are concepts that, uh, that are not new, uh, that uh, we should already have a handle on, and yet we come back to it again and again and again. And that's the way Proverbs work, so we, we can be thankful for that here this morning. Before we get started, let's take a moment for silent prayer, asking God the Father to set aside our distractions, to humble us under the authority of his truth. Shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning, thankful for your truth, rejoicing in your blessings, Father, the blessings that we have from you. Every one of them is a grace blessing, Father, that is uh, certainly not connected in any way to what we've earned or deserved. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, and it is entirely a grace provision on on, uh, your part directed towards each one of us. We thank you for the book of Proverbs. We look forward to this new chapter. ask that you continue to open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to glean chapter by chapter and verse by verse what you would have for us to glean. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. And so here's the point of what we're looking at. Really, there's no introduction to the chapter at large. It is a continuation of chapter 11 and chapter 10 in the uh, personal and public wisdom portion of the book. We continue to have antithetical parallelism, whereby uh, an A statement is contrasted with a B statement. And, and ultimately, why did we have a chapter break in between verse 31 and verse 1? Well, maybe it just kind of seemed like a good place for a chapter break, all right? It just kind of, there's no explanation, there's no rhyme, there's no reason uh, for the chapterification or versification of, of many of these uh, portions here, particularly in Proverbs. Um, it seems to me that uh, 10 through 24, the, all those chapters could all be lumped together in a book and uh, and dealt with on that basis. But... In any event, here we have it. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. And this is what we're going to look at here today. So we have an A statement and a B statement. The uh, antithetical parallelism we've seen so many times in the book of Proverbs already. Uh, the first half of the of the verse is the A portion. The second half of the verse is the B portion. Uh, uh, they're connected with a but. Okay, a lot of these, the antithetical parallelism is is just filled with butts, and you can just scan down the page and see every verse and see all the all the butts. All right, and very good, you did that without giggling. The uh, the uh, contrast now, we take the parallelism and we understand the A part and the B part and how they how they communicate, and so we have love in the A part, we have hate in the B part, we have discipline in the love part we have reproof in the b part we have knowledge in the a part we have stupid in the b part right but as we understand and we've seen this before in other passages things in particular where we're correlating uh father and mother in in some of those uh passages what we really see is between the a part and the b part we want to assign we we do um what i call a crisscross 
It's not a technical term, but it works for me. We do a crisscross related to this. And so, um, and I can just use the, uh, if I tell you what, let's, uh, since I can draw this morning, let's draw. Proverbs 12.1. All right. And we'll make it larger. And we'll get rid of the Hebrew. So we have more room for English. All right. So here's uh, here's Proverbs 12.1. And I'm going to make a copy of this. We're going to clip this. We'll do one and two. Let's do one through three. Isn't this fun? I need to do more of this. I need to do more of this. All right. Because that makes it visible, right? Gets your attention. So uh, the A part and the B part, but what I call the crisscross is um, it's a function within Hebrew poetry that uh, particularly, well, I mean, it depends on whether we're talking about synthetic parallelism or antithetical parallelism. Okay, there's different kinds of parallelism. But we have love, right? And we have this aspect of love. Is it limited only to discipline? Okay, because in the in the B part we have hate. Let me switch to red. Let's get thicker lines too. Hate. Is that only connected to reproof? Okay. And so what we realize is that in this parallelism we can take this idea of love and we can apply it both to discipline and to reproof. We can take this idea of hate. And we can relate it to discipline and reproof. In other words, we're crisscrossing. It's like uh, he who loves his... Uh, we got we got parallelism between father and mother, right? Is a delight to his father, is a shame to his mother. And we understand in the, in the poetry there that it's okay to crisscross those. That we're not saying that the, the delight to the father is not... Or that the, the foolish son is not also a shame to the father because he's ashamed to the mother. Right, And we're all saying that the wise son is not also a delight to the mother just because he's a delight to the father. That it's legitimate to take these things and to, to, uh, to cross, uh, crisscross them. To apply them in both halves. Alright, so I'll erase all my scribbling. So when we have both of these, we can take love and we can apply it both to the discipline and the reproof. Likewise, we can take hate we apply it to the discipline and the reproof, and we see how this operates. We see how this works. Okay? Are we all right? Oh, I do. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Double portion blessing this morning. The extra caffeine will help. So, um, and this is what we're talking about. And we're talking about what God expects of us. We should love discipline and reproof. If we're operating according to his will, if we're operating according to as he's revealed in his word, then we will love discipline and reproof because wisdom does that. Righteousness does that. God in his design has, has designed us to do this. Um, and, in, and on the basis of this, then, we will become wise. We will grow in our knowledge. But then the hatred of discipline and reproof. That's uh, that's the world we live in, I tell you. That's the world that rejects God's standards. That's the world that substitutes its own viewpoint uh, as sovereign over God's viewpoint. And it's uh, it's just a horrible circumstance when it comes down to the one who hates discipline and reproof. So that's uh, the illustration there. All right, glad I did that. That's kind of fun. So the love of knowledge requires discipline and reproof. And that, I, I stand by that. That is my summary uh, of, of verse 1 here. Uh, it is a summary statement that I think does the crisscross and synthesizes the, the totality of this verse. The love of knowledge requires discipline and reproof. If you've got a problem with discipline and reproof, let me put it this way, you don't love knowledge. If you've got a problem with discipline and reproof, then you want, uh, you want information on, on a different basis than how God has provided it. And you don't love knowledge on the basis that God has provided it, you see. And apart from this blessing, we are stupid brutes. 
The term for stupid there is a term for um, animal. All right? Animal is not human. And I know that's gonna, I'm going to make some enemies this morning, but um, the animal realm is not the sapient realm. It's not the human realm. It's not the rational realm. It's, uh, it is not rational. And uh, on, on the basis of that, I think the Greeks uh, did very well as they crafted their terminology for um, rational, for thinking, for humanity. And uh, in contrast with animals. Now, animals are living, be- living beings. They are beings. They do live. They do eat. Uh, and they have a certain thought process as it comes to instinct and decision-making and uh, or what we call decision-making. Animals can make choices. They can be trained to make better choices. They can be trained to not make the choices we don't like. All right? But it's animal training. It's not the uh, the rational instruction of, of what we're seeing in this verse pertaining to true knowledge. That requires discipline and reproof. And uh, we'll be showing that for what it is. So the expression of stupid brutes is uh, one that we'll have some fun with as we deal with that. Because the scripture lays it out pretty well. All right. Before we get to that, though, we've got to deal with some Musar. Do you remember Musar? Uh, we dealt with it in the introduction to Proverbs. We've seen it repeatedly in the early chapters. Musar. It's, you know, the, the prime terminology we deal with in, in Proverbs is wisdom. There's no question that, that chachma, that wisdom terminology is, is the most dominant terminology in all of, all of Proverbs. Second to that is Musar. All right. Second to that, when we broke it down for you and gave you, and if you lost it, I can print some more, but a one page sheet that has background information, introductory material for, for Proverbs. In the Proverbs introductory material, we noticed that Musar was a huge point of emphasis. M-U-W-C-A-R. And we use the C simply to transliterate the Hebrew Samek, so we know that it's not a sin or a sheen, but Musar. And the strongest number is 4148. Uh, it's used 50 times in the Old Testament, but guess what? Out of those 50 times in the Old Testament, 30 of them are in Proverbs. Okay, that tells you something right there. It tells you it's a major point of emphasis. It speaks of instruction, it speaks of discipline, and it really is a, is a blend of the two. It speaks of, what well, I like to think of it is either as instructive discipline or disciplined instruction, right? Which way do you want to phrase that? Okay, because you get in trouble sometimes depending on... <laughs> on, on which you make the adjective and which you make the noun. Even had a pretty hilarious night at Scrabble the other night talking about that kind of thing. But uh, So you have compound expressions, right? Discipline and instruction. Those are the concepts. And it's not pure academics. It's not like didasco for teaching. It's not like even Torah. Torah uh, speaks of instruction, okay? But it, it, it has an element of that, and you're learning things in this process, but you're learning things through a disciplined endeavor, a disciplined endeavor. And so, I don't know, I'll probably go back and forth on this, or you can go back and forth on this, we'll all decide. Do we want to call this instructive discipline, or do we want to call this disciplined instruction? What would be the best way to handle it? I think probably disciplined instruction is probably the best way to make um, disciplined the adjective and instruction the noun, okay? So call it disciplined instruction. And I think that'll make sense as we look at these applications. Like I say, 30 of them in the book of Proverbs. Along with the primary verb, yaser, yaser is uh, Strong's number 3256. And so yaser... This is the uh, Y-A-C-A-R. Stick an M in the front of Yasser and you get Musar. But Yasser, that has 40 uses in the Old Testament. And uh, not nearly as many in Proverbs. Just five in Proverbs. But uh, Yasser speaks of discipline. It's a verb that means to discipline, to chasten, to correct, to instruct. All right. And if you think about it, it's a great word for, for parenting. It is, uh, it is used in, in, in a parental aspect. 
It is the concept of why parents are parents and not buddies. Because parents have to correct. They have to discipline. They have to chastise. And the purpose of that chastening and that correction is, is, is an instructive purpose. You're trying to train and teach that child to adjust their behavior, to adjust their activity, to adjust their attitudes. And so through that discipline, through that correction, you're bringing about a goal of instruction. They're learning not to do that. Sometimes younger siblings learn by watching the older siblings get their musar. Okay? And uh, the younger siblings get pretty smart about, I don't want that musar. And it's still musar. It's still musar. And they're, they're being trained by it. They're just watching the consequences in their older siblings and realizing they don't want a part of that. In the Septuagint, that's the LXX, the Septuagint, as well as the New Testament, the equivalent expression in Greek is paiduo. The verb is paiduo, which makes sense because a pice is a kid. A pice is a child. And the verb paiduo means to, not to make a child, but to discipline a child, to, to correct that child because the child needs it. Same thing with paideia. So paiduo is the verb, paideia is the noun. It refers to the instruction. The, the Bible commands us to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's the disciplined instruction of the Lord. Without that discipline, what are we doing? Well, Proverbs 12.1 tells us, if we don't provide this discipline to our children, we're raising brutes. We're, we're training up a generation of stupid brutes. And we're flooding the public, we're flooding the streets with stupid brutes that learn to run in packs. And they learn to, uh, when, when the Bible talks about animals roaming the streets, is the Bible making a zoological statement or a sociological statement? Okay? Many times. So um, these things are, are important to grasp. Now, looking at this long list, right? 30 verses in Proverbs. How in the world can we look up 30 verses? Well, we can. In fact, the software helps us. We, we can do a rundown on this uh, in, in very short order with uh, with the software but just glancing at the screen at the moment in proverbs chapter one you got verses two three seven and eight so right off the bat four uses bam 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 right there in the very first chapter so let's look at those should go fairly quickly we if you were with us in the early stages of this proverbs class verse two three seven and eight um, in, in the purpose clause for why he's writing this book, why he's collecting these Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Remember I said wisdom is the, the dominant theme in Proverbs? Of course it is. It's the book of wisdom. But what comes second? Instruction. Musar. Disciplined instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. Verse 3, to receive instruction, to receive Musar. In wise behavior. Notice the reception that's emphasized there. It might be being dished out, but are you receiving it? To receive musar in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. That's verse 3. Down to verse 7 and 8. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, you can do the crisscross in both halves of that verse. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. Without the fear of the Lord, forget it. You're not going to have any of the rest of that. Knowledge, wisdom, or instruction. Likewise, the fool. Without the fear of the Lord, the fool is going to have no legitimate knowledge, wisdom, or instruction. And so that's verse 7. Verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And this is, again, the crisscross we're talking about because you got your father, you got your mother. You know, the, the father will have instruction and teaching. The mother will have instruction and teaching. And the wise son, the wise daughter, the wise child will accept the uh, Musar and the Torah. The Musar and the Torah. And uh, this, to me, 
this is this is glorious this this keeps us from um being lost in just an academic legalism this keeps us from just so stressing torah that we become legalists in living out our instruction but we're not humble and trained and disciplined under the instruction because torah may tell us what to know but musar disciplines us to live it out and so we have both the Musar and the Torah there in verse 8. So all right, right off the bat, four uses of, of Musar right in chapter 1 in, in such close uh, proximity with, with the wisdom and, and everything else, I think sets the table for everything else here that follows in, in the book of Proverbs. Um, now, you'll notice chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, all of that. How many, that whole top line there are verses. That's all in the, the, the parental wisdom portion of the book. This is parents instilling Musar into their children. Parents that are instilling that Musar again and again and again and again. So chapter 3 and verse 11. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, the Musar of the Lord, or loathe his reproof. Now stay tuned because that other word, reproof, that's our next slide, <laughs> okay? Because that also shows up in uh, in uh, uh, Proverbs 12 and verse 1. I think that uh, discipline and reproof are like salt and pepper, <laughs> Batman and Robin, okay? They go together very frequently in uh, time and time again. Of all the, all the um, I'll just tease you with it. All the uh, reproof verses, the ones in yellow are paired up with your uh, Musar verses, which is the bulk of them, the bulk of them. In fact, it's kind of unusual if you see a reproof that's not connected to a Musar at any point. All right? All right, tease is over. <laughs> We're not there yet. Did you get a picture? Cool. All right. Every time Doug lifts up his phone to take a picture, I just have this urge to smile. <laughs> All right. Sometimes those unsuspecting photos end up on the Internet, so you got to be careful. I want, I want to be smiling at all the unsuspecting photos. So chapter 3 and verse 11, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. And, and we see the volition that's involved, Right? Just because the parent is teaching, does that mean the child is being taught? Just because the parent is is reproving, are they being reproved? Uh, you, this is the, the, the amazing thing about it in the active voice and the passive voice. And to me, it's a beautiful thing. I think the Greeks are genius in, in how they expressed it. Not just an active voice or passive voice, they created entirely separate verbs, made them both active verbs. I will didasco teach, but you will montano learn. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It calls you a disciple. It calls all of us disciples as we are learners. And learners in the verb uh, montano, the noun is methetes, the noun, uh, uh, the verb montano means I am learning, and that's an active voice. The, the subject is, is accomplishing the action of the verb. The subject is actively learning while the teacher is actively teaching. And uh, because it doesn't always happen simultaneously. <laughs> Sometimes the real learning happens weeks later, months later, years later, when the Holy Spirit convicts and the Scripture comes alive and the, the living and abiding Word of God that's been planted in your soul springs out. And something that was taught weeks, months, and years ago is finally learned when through testing, through discipline, through conflict, through struggle, through whatever, hardship sometimes. Sometimes it's a painful lesson learned not in very pleasant ways. But God graciously turns the cursing into blessing, very graciously turns the discipline into, into fruit. And, uh, and those things can happen as well. So we see the volitional necessity here. A child has to learn to not reject it. May not like it. Who wants to eat Brussels sprouts anyway, right? Tastes horrible. But you learn. You say, all right, I don't want to, but I accept it. 
And, uh, and then I certainly don't want to loathe it. Do you see the progression there between rejecting and loathing? I think it's pretty, uh, I think it's a progression. Re- consistent, consistent rejection again and again and again. And eventually it just, you come to this loathing. You don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. All right, chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 13. Hear, O sons, the instruction, the musar of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. So it requires acceptance, it requires hearing, and it requires attention. That's why we're told to study to show yourself approved. Be diligent to present yourself approved. Apply your thinking Give attention that you may gain understanding. Verse 13, take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. So the idea of, of taking hold and, and guarding, the idea of, uh, of, of uh, cleaving, right? You know, the kind of embrace, the kind of hug you don't want to let go because it's, it's, it's ple- pleasant and fun and enjoyable and, and all the rest. Uh, this is the kind of intimacy we should have. The Bible uses, you know, kind of erotic terms, uses some marital intimacy terms and expressions for the, the kind of embracing, the kind of hugging, the kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and you don't want to let go. This Musar, you need it. We all need it. Guard her, for she is your life. And uh, imagery there as well, as far as the protection, the, gu- the guarding of, of, of those things you love, right? You love your wife, you love your children, you love your nation. These objects of your love are objects that you will protect, you will guard. All right, that was back to last hour. We were talking about immigration and border security. All right, uh, so that's chapter 4, verse 13. On into chapter 5, verse 12 and verse 23. Here's what happens when you don't listen to Musar. You learn years later. And so the admonition that begins in verse 7 and earlier even, but avoiding the wrong kind of women and staying away from the harlot, staying away from the the adulteress. And what happens here, um, keep your way far from her, do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. Strangers will be filled with your strength. Your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. Again, things we were talking about last hour. Uh, Verse 11, and you groan at your final end. It didn't have to end this way, but you took it to this end. When your flesh and your body are consumed and you say... How I have hated instruction. How and my heart spurned reproof. There's both terms, okay? The musar and the reproof. We'll see here next. How I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. Well, he hated it. He didn't accept it. He didn't reject it. I mean, he didn't uh, embrace it. But has he come to understand it now finally the hard way, the wrong way, the, the difficult way? He has clearly received the Musar, but he's received it through the discipline. He received it through the, 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 the groaning at his final end, the flesh and the body consumed. Okay, Whatever uh, diseases are, venereal diseases, V-E-N-E-R-E-A-L diseases, which I misspelled on Monday night. There's no I in venereal, just letting you know. Um <laughs> Yeah, just let you. There's no I in team, and there's no I in venereal. I think I think that'll preach actually. <laughs> it's a moral lesson as well as a spelling lesson. So you groan at your final end. Your flesh and your body are consumed, and God has now taught you what you would not listen earlier, and now you're seeing it. Now you're learning it, and you're learning it through experience in the. Uh, consequences of that hatred and that spurning of the reproof i have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors i was almost an utter ruin in the midst of the assembly in the congregation 
And so we dealt with that at great length back in chapter 5. All right, chapter 6 and verse 23. The commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. The musar connected to the mitzvah, the commandment and the teaching. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. So well, I don't like it. Oh, well, it's the way life goes. Okay? It's a way of life. And uh, in all kinds of things. Well, that's not fair. Okay, life isn't fair. You know? There's, there's reality. There's the real world. And uh, we all live in it. And uh, too many of us are pretending we don't. Or we're pretending the world is something that it's not. Pretending that it, it ought to be something else. And since it ought to be something else, let's just go ahead and pretend that it already is. And so, uh, and so those who, who uh, have the nerve to stand up and say, well, that's not how the world is, those are haters. Those are, those are uh, you know, backwards people or primitive people or whatever else. No, reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Reproofs for discipline. And here's our two terms and put in a tandem in a kind of a neat way. So that's chapter 6. Chapter 7. Um, again, the knucklehead that doesn't listen. And here she is tempting him, and here she is, and she's got all these invitations. Let's drink our fill of love until morning. Delight ourselves with caresses. Come on, it'll be fun. Um, my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and the full moon, at the full moon he will come home. So not only is it going to be fun, we can't get caught. You've got nothing to lose. There's no reason not to. Everybody's doing it. Um, come on, it's good, it's fun, it's right, it's great. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. Has no idea what he's getting into. And there he is. Until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his soul. And the soul damage that gets done, it's, uh, it's a horrendous thing. So uh, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Anyway, the, firm, the word for discipline there is in verse 23. And I forget where it is in verse 23. Proverbs 8.23. Unless I put the wrong verse down. All right, there's every Musar in the Bible. And I'm in chapter 7. Ah, verse 22, the discipline of a fool. One in fetters to the discipline of a fool. To the Musar, discipline. All right, got to change that. Oh, and it says 722 right there on my screen. So what was I looking at? All right, chapter 8, verse 10 and verse 33. Why does this never happen to Chuck Swindoll? He has a staff. He has editors. He has people. Yeah, they correct him. And then they don't record the, or they edit out the, the, the confusing recording. He sounds so slick on the radio. Proverbs 8.10. Take my musar and not silver, and dak'ath rather than choicest gold, knowledge rather than choicest gold. For Chachma, wisdom, is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. So there's Proverbs 8, verses 10 and 11 in a, in a tandem. Uh, but you have Musar. It's preferable to silver, especially since the price has dropped now to $17 an ounce. Take uh, my instruction, not silver, and knowledge rather than choice is gold. The priority system's there. And all a part of up, the upraising of children. Verse 33, heed Musar and be wise. Do not neglect it. Do not neglect it. It requires acceptance and it requires diligence. So, 
out of the 30 uses, how many have we seen? We've seen a few, right? 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. We've had 13 of the 30 uses right there. And uh, so we're done, right? <laughs> Isn't Musar done once I grow up and leave my parents' house? Oh, no, no, no. In fact, the Musar in your parents' house is limited. It's a taste. It's, uh, it's, it's very sheltered and protected, and, and, and um, it, it's getting you ready for the adult capacity Musar you're about to experience. That when you leave mother and father, you're now standing in your own generation. You're standing, and hopefully, I mean, in, in, in the design, when you leave father and mother, you cleave to one another, the two become one flesh. So you have, you have uh, that blessing to work with. When you leave father and mother, you have that blessing. But in any event, you have the adult capacity Musar that you've got to deal with. And the adult capacity Musar continues in chapter 10 and today in chapter 12 and i don't know that i stressed it quite this way in proverbs 10:17 maybe i did um because we're talking about wealth and poverty we're talking about um wages and income the wages of the righteous is life and income of the wicked is punishment Verse 17, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction. There's Musar. But he who ignores reproof, there's our other term we're going to look at this this morning. He who ignores reproof goes astray. So what's that doing there? (laughs) Right? You want to say, I'm done with that. I'm I'm not a child anymore. I've grown up. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer under parental wisdom. Well, Ideally now, if you've learned everything there was to learn under parental wisdom, then you're in great shape to move on now and start operating under personal and public wisdom. And the personal and public wisdom is far more intense. It's it's expanded. It's not an earthly mother and father administering it anymore. Now it's your heavenly father administering the Musar. And uh, as in your walk before the Lord, in your uh, public walk, as an imager of God in this angelic conflict that we operate in. And so uh, Musar continues in uh, personal and public wisdom. Look at that, uh, look at the next two lines, right? From chapter 10 to chapter 24. What is that? Chapter 10 to chapter 24, that is the, the, the book of personal and public wisdom. And so don't be shocked as we uh, see it here in Proverbs 12.1, it comes back again in verses 18 and 24. The wicked earns deception... No, no, wrong chapter. Uh, chapter 12. In verse 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. No, that's not it. Ah, chapter 13, verse 1, 18, and 24. In chapter 12, verse 1 is the only... Boy, that's a significant typo right there. Yeah, because in chapter 12, it's only verse 1. So it's chapter 13, verses 1, 8, and 24. All right, so I will fix that before next week. So right in there, chapter 12 and verse 1, and then it should be chapter 13, verse 1, 18, and 14, or 24. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son accepts his father's musar, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Verse 18. And this is an adult. Look, an adult son. Verse uh, 18, poverty and shame will come to him who neglects Musar, but he who regards reproof will be honored. You know, as an adult, who's, who's rebuking you? Who's Musaring you? Your Heavenly Father, consistently. Plus uh, any other agents of the laws of uh, divine establishment? 
<laughs> you know, an employer can rebuke you. A, a government official can rebuke you. A police officer can rebuke you. Tell you you're driving too fast or whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, other people can rebuke you. And you can hate them for it. Or you can learn from it. A lot of rebukes in the adult capacity. Verse 24, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We've seen also in other contexts, the rod was an implement for adult discipline in the penal system of Mosaic law. Uh, Like Singapore to this day has caning. Uh, Under Mosaic law, uh, the rod was a function of judicial... um, consequences not only for children but for adults for the fool so that's chapter 13 chapter 15 verse uh, 5 and 10 and 32 and 33 big emphasis here in chapter 15 verse 5 a fool rejects his father's discipline but he who regards reproof is sensible how long does the father's discipline last anyway? Is it just while you're a kid? I can still think of things too. That's right. <laughs> and if Shirley can still think of things, wow. <laughs> discipline that took place in the 1940s, 1950s, and you still remember to this day. It still benefits to this day. It shapes who we are. It shapes how we think. It shapes um, our perspective on all kinds of things. And uh, so I can appreciate that. That's Proverbs 15 and verse 5. Uh, verse 10, grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates uh, reproof will die. Maybe I ought to just keep reading this thing. That's verse 10. The grievous punishment is our term musar. Grievous musar is for him who forsakes the way. So if you don't respond to musar and you forsake it, guess what? Grievous musar. (laughs) The next step up. Verse um, 32. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. You would think in a culture that's so absorbed in (laughs) self-esteem, you would think in a society that has elevated self-esteem to the biggest idol going, um, a verse like that might get somebody's attention or wake them up or say, you know what, all this self-loathing, all this hatred of self, all this you know, negative self-image you're fostering, there's an answer for that, the discipline from God. The word of God that shapes and corrects your thinking. You want to have spiritual self-esteem? Here it is. You want the word of God to shape your, your, your transformation into the image of Christ? Or do you want to read a self-help book from Barnes & Noble? What do, you, I mean, what, what do we want to do? So he who neglects discipline. And I think it comes down to that. Um, you, you hate the, the truth. You hate knowledge. You hate God. You hate God's word. No shocker that you hate yourself because you're in the image of God. Anyway, I think we're going to have some fun with that when we get to chapter 15. But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the, is the musar for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. What goes before the fall? Pride goes before the fall. But before honor comes humility. Appreciate that. All right, so that's chapter 15. Chapter 16 and verse 22. Understanding is a fountain of life to the one who has it, but the musar of fools is folly. Yeah, imagine that. Oh, Ponce de Leon died looking for what? You know, leading an expedition trying to find the, the fountain of life, the fountain of youth, all this mythology. And it's right there. It's in the Word of God. So chapter 19, verses 20 and 27 Listen to counsel and accept Musar, that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many uh, plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. <laughs> Man, it's a fun one. Verse 27, 
Cease listening, my son, to Musar, discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. See, the idea that you can gain information, the idea that you can become educated, you can become smart, and you don't need the Musar of, of Yahweh, it's, it's, it's uh, antithetical to Scripture. It, it requires Musar, it requires discipline. We are students, yes. We are learning, yes. We are accumulating information and knowledge, yes. But it comes under that disciplined instruction of the Lord. Apart from that, I mean, uh, to me, I think all of this can be summed up in Second Corinthians 8. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And it's that Musar that grounds us in that love. Yeah. So there it is. All right, chapter 19, that's 20 and 27. More fun with that. But cease listening, my son, to discipline. You will stray from words of knowledge. A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice. And the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. So, yeah, goodness, that's that's our day and age right there. The rascally witness and the mockery of justice. Over to chapter 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. See, a lot of these things now are coming to the next generation. We're now in personal and public wisdom, and now we've got our own children we're raising, and now we have to be humble before the Lord and apply this musar to that next generation. The nation is only going to last as long as that next generation is either trained or not trained in the Word of God. So the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. So much for the uh, clean slate mythology that says, oh, these innocent children, and they're all just, you know, marvelous and wonderful until their environment and Republicans and capitalism just ruins them. And then, you know, we need to, we need to create a better environment for... No, they're sinners. They're absolute sinners within them by nature. They need Musar. They need the gospel. They need the word of God. Because it's bound up in the heart of a child. That's chapter 22. Chapter 23. Got a trifecta there, 12, 13, and 23. Apply your heart to Musar and your ears to the word of knowledge. Takes effort, takes diligence. So apply your heart, apply your ears. Verse 13 Do not hold back discipline from a child. Although you strike him with a rod, he will not die. You can't break him. It's all right. You can break his will. And you need to break his will. But you can't break him. <laughs> All right. Funniest thing in the world, the day that Bob was born. And we were in the hospital still, and the, they brought us this little, um, whatever, outfit thing um, to dress him with. And it had little uh, booties for the feet, and it had little sleeves and little glove things for the hands so that he didn't scratch himself and whatever. And so Sharon and I were very diligently, very, very, not diligently, very um, tentatively uh, terrified. You know, we're, 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 we're just barely touching him and barely moving his arm and barely lifting his little foot and barely, you know, we didn't want to hurt him. You know, and the nurse is just laughing at us like, relax, guys, that's okay. Kids are kind of durable here. Let's show you how this works. And she showed us, you know, she grabbed his foot and put the thing on there and, oh, Okay. All right. That was our first day of of uh, postpartum parenting. That although you strike him with a rod, he will not die. He didn't get spankings on. Well, he did, or didn't he? One of our kids did. Got the little swat to get the crying and the breathing going. But anyway, I think it was Alethea got the swat. Anyway, you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Break his will and break it now. Okay, conform that will to the Word of God. That's uh, that's why God gave us parents. Uh, verse uh, 23 of the same chapter. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. You know, are you in the market to, to buy or to sell? And there's a time you want to be in the market for buying, and there's a time you want to be in the market for selling. But guess what? In the wisdom department, it's always a buy. <laughs> get more, get more, get more, get more. Get uh, wisdom and musar and understanding. 
Over to uh, chapter 24, the last use of Musar here. 2432. Um, hmm. Backing up to verse 30. Wow, there's so much here. And this is the conclusion to, to personal and public wisdom, and it's so practical the way that it wraps up. Um, Verse 28, do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive him with your lips. Do not say, thus I shall do to him as he has done to me. Uh, You know, we're not living a life of vengeance and payback with our neighbor. I will render to the man according to his work. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. Behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw... I reflected on it, I looked, and I received instruction. The Musar continues as he's observing the example, the example of his neighbor, the example of the fool, the example of the convict, the example of the criminal, the example of the of, of every alternative lifestyle out there that's living in defiance of the Word of God. And you and, and you don't mock it, you don't condemn it, you don't judge them, because all in grace we are what we are, but... We learn from it. And just like the little sibling wants to learn from the Musar the older sibling is going through, you and I want to learn from the Musar that the non-biblical, non-disciple people are going through. And not, not copy it. Learn from it. Flee from it. I looked and I received Musar. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. The song that comes up again, earlier and again and again. It's like uh, you know Solomon's greatest hits uh, gets the encore performance. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. This is the original snooze alarm on the just just nine more minutes, seven more minutes, whatever it is. Then your poverty will come in as a robber, and your want like an armed man. Well, guess what? For those that serve the Lord, there is no want. If you're in his word, there is no want. The young lions do suffer hunger and want, but the one who trusts in the Lord will not lack any good thing. We can appreciate that. All right. So those are the Musar discipline uses, 30 of them in Proverbs, um, 13 in the uh, in the uh, parental wisdom portion and the other 17 in uh, the personal and public wisdom portion. I find that interesting. Along with the verb yaser, which has those uses, uh, discipline, chasten, correct, instruct, there's those uses. Uh, This term was appointed, uh, well, let's look at those, and then we'll uh, see if we have time. We can wrap it up with paiduo here before we leave. Um, The actual verb, backing up to Proverbs 9-7, I was thinking about it. We could have grabbed these on the way. But uh, Proverbs 9, 7, He who uh, yasers a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves, now there's a verb of the noun reproof we'll have shortly. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. So am I here to musar and re- who am I here to musar and, and reprove? Every idiot, every village idiot in town or those that are under my responsibility, okay? As a, as a husband to my wife, as a parent to my child, as a, um, I guess in the larger clan sense, there would be a function, but nationally, there is an authority responsibility to this as a shepherd to a flock. But uh, what happens if I cast my pearls before a swine or I rebuke the fool or, or if I decide to go down to some place and tell them they're a bunch of sinners? What am I going to get for that? And is that my place to do that anyway? Say. Uh, 1918. Proverbs 1918. Discipline your son while there is hope. <laughs> and do not desire his death. Well, that, that, that's, there's a reason for that. Because while he's still alive, there's still hope. Moose are your son while there's still hope and do not desire his death. But it may come to that. And it may be when the Musar does nothing, you go to the city elders and you take it to the civil authorities. 
And these aren't always fun. I mean, correction. Musar, your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. I find it interesting right now how many of that older generation, the baby boomers and the 60s hippies and all the other folks, and they're in nursing homes now, and they never did correct their son. And uh, uh, there's such a fabric breakdown in the fabric of society over previous generations, and now it's coming around. And now there's a bunch of kids... And they don't give two hoots about their parents, about their care, about anything, as far as they're concerned. And it's uh, it's, it's horrible, absolutely horrible. But we're, we've sown the wind and we're reaping the whirlwind, I think, as a as a culture in uh, in these things. Um, that's verse seventeen, verse nineteen. A slave will not be instructed by words alone, for though he understands, there will be no response and that instructed he will not be yasser corrected discipline instructed by words alone can't be just simply academic though he understands there'll be no response it takes musar to motivate that response the uh, board of education applied to the seat of learning chapter 31 and verse 1 the words of king lemuel the oracle which his mother musard him, or yasared him actually, Bathsheba to Solomon. If you, I, I think Lemuel was a name for Solomon. And uh, this is from Bathsheba. And she yasared him. All right, well, uh, real quickly then, New Testament, are we familiar with these? Ephesians 6, 4. And I, I'm hoping having done all this now, that when we come to these passages in the New Testament, they will be that much more richer, they will be that much more uh, meaningful and significant. We're going to realize that these are, these are verses that have such a rich heritage and background and, and, and foundation in, in Proverbs, foundation in the Old Testament. So when we see fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the Musar, if it was Hebrew, right? Paideia, and instruction of the Lord. And so we recognize because of the Paideia link to Musar, there's a lot in this. Bring, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A uh, whole string of them here in Hebrews, and then 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me grab 2 Timothy because we'll probably run out of time if I get sidetracked by Hebrews. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching. All right, well, go ahead and stop right there. <laughs> I want the academics. I want my doctor. I want to fill my notebook. <laughs> it doesn't stop there. It's not just academic didascalia. It's profitable for that and for reproof for correction, for paideia, disciplined training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If you limit it to the didascalia, it's not adequate and you're not equipped. It requires the full facet of teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And, and this is Proverbs in a nutshell right there in one verse centering on the Theopanustos word of God. All right, finally then, in uh, Hebrews 12, we can run through this pretty quickly. It's verses 5 through 11. And, and look at all the verses here in 5 through 11. Seven uses in verses 5 through 11. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not, lightly re do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are approved by him. This is Paideia in Hebrews, but it's quoting Job, and so it's quoting Musar. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. The child gets spanked and says, you don't love me. I'll show you how much I love you. Okay, That was direct quote from my grandmother to my father, because my father would accuse his mother of not loving him. And she showed him how much she loved him. 
Okay. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Rhetorical question. The son who his father does not love is the son who is not disciplined. The bastard that's not acknowledged. You're not my son. But if you are without discipline, of which we've all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The father doesn't discipline the bastard. The father doesn't claim the bastard. It's not my kid. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time. It seemed best to them. You know, they were kind of winging it, but they did the best they could. God disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yeah, it's not fun. Who likes it? Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So yeah, it's not a barrel of monkeys while you're going. It's not a party while you're having it, but afterwards you thank God for it. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. All right, well, that's past where I was. Verse 11 is where I should have stopped. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this truth. A good reminder, Father. We've had Musa already 13 times in, in uh, Proverbs. Uh, and here we end, plus chapter 10. Here we're getting it again. A good reminder, Father, that we must be subject to your discipline at all times. We're here for disciplined instruction. And I thank you for that. And I thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.